Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the show, you could always give me a ringy-dingy on the Listener hotline 303-832-0217. You can find that number as well as all the contact links in the description of the show. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about puffy coats. Kind of. I, I learn a lot when I research the guests that I have here on the old program. And what I learned from researching today's guest, who will be on in just a little bit, is that you shouldn't wear a puffy coat or any kind of squishy coat under your seatbelt. Not, not just for adults, but especially for kids. It's, they say, it, she says it's much more dangerous to wear those puffy coats as kids in a child's seatbelt. In just a minute, I'm going to have Dahlia Rissick uh, on, in, on the show here. Uh, Dah- Dahlia is a self-taught child passenger safety expert, and she's going to tell us about this puffy coat issue and seatbelts in just a minute. And if the name sounds familiar, she's also uh, responsible for creating this uh, jacket called the Buckle Me Baby Coat. Uh, and so we'll talk all about that as well um, and get into this whole puffy coat thing. But first, uh, since the World Cup is in full swing, I thought it'd be interesting to look at what it would be like to be a driver in Doha, Qatar. Now, the legal mini- minimum age to drive is 18, not 16 like in the United States. And you drive on the right-hand side of the road like you do in the United States and other uh, countries, not the left side, on the right side. Now, traffic signals and signs are bilingual. So they're in English and in Arabic. And the roads are generally in pretty good condition even outside the city. Now, the Qatari government says there can be some thick sandstorms that can quickly engulf roads reducing visibility and making dangerous driving conditions out there in the desert. Now, another major hazard in the desert uh, apparently are camels. <laughs> they sometimes wander across the roads at night and could be a potentially dead, deadly obstacle. Furthermore, the scorching summer sun makes breaking down in your car and being left out there in the desert under that scorching summer sun a real health risk. Uh, so they warn against that too. Now, the most basic rule of thumb when driving Qatar is you have to have a driver's license. Now, you can have international driver's license. It's one of many countries that that uh, recognize driver's licenses from other countries. And driving without a license is a criminal offense. And if you're caught without one, you'll probably receive a fine or possibly a jail term. Interestingly, I found that every car in Qatar must pass an annual vehicle inspection. I wish they would do that in the United States because there's a lot of crappy cars out there. These inspections uh, are done every year. There are inspection stations located across the country. I don't think it was that much, maybe 50 bucks, something like that for a vehicle inspection every year. Now, given the congestion, they said in Doha, uh, drivers sometimes like to enjoy the wide open spaces of the open desert so they can really open up their car and let it go. But They have speed cameras along uh, most of the roadways, and you'll be uh, slapped with a huge fine if you're caught. And violations caught by traffic cameras, they're tracked virtually. So get this. You as a driver are responsible for checking the online traffic ticketing system regularly to find out if you owe any fines or if you have a ticket on your record. Because they won't contact you directly. 
So it's not like you get uh, uh t- you know you, you see the flash and they get your uh, your your speed right you you're caught on on camera and they'll send you a ticket in the mail. They don't do that there. You have to regularly check this website apparently this ticketing system to see if you owe any fines and if you're from out of the country and you, I mean this doesn't matter if you live there or you you don't live there if you're from out of the country and you get into a, or you get a a, a ticket. You might be kept in the country until you pay it, or you might be jailed. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the way they say it. Now, traffic accidents and tickets in Qatar are treated very seriously, and road rules differ from those in the United States. Now, travelers with unresolved vehicle crashes or fines, you may be prevented from departing Qatar, whether you're a resident or a visitor. Now, here are some of the fines for traffic offenses in Qatar. You go over the speed limit. You have a fine of 500 Qatari rials. It's about $130. Driving under the influence, which you would think would be difficult because they only serve alcohol in certain areas, I think in hotel lounges, um, but not widely because it is uh, a Muslim country, so they don't have alcohol all over the, all over the, uh, the city and the country. But if you're caught driving under the influence, you can expect a jail term of at least one month plus a fine of between $3,000 and $14,000. And then if you were a, uh, a visitor, you could be deported at the end of your jail term, and it's, and it's likely that that's going to happen. If you use a mobile phone while driving, it's about a $130 fine. If you're driving without a license in Qatar, it's about a $400 fine. If you don't have your seatbelt, whether you're a driver or you're the front seat passenger, either one, it's about a $130 fine. And most of the soccer fans there are taking public transportation around town, so they're not renting cars and driving on their own. And uh, since the stadiums are so fairly close to each other, and Doha is um, you know, kind of the central area, and then uh, I, I think it was 45 minutes was the farthest stadium from uh, Doha. So I just find all that interesting, though, that obviously different countries have different rules of driving and uh, thought because of the World Cups going on that it would be pretty interesting to uh, find out what it's like driving there. Uh, a lot of us have kids, and in the winter, you put them in those big puffy coats, right? Sure, they, they look cute, uh, but it's said that those coats aren't safe for a kid to wear while they're in their car seat. Why? Well, let me ask my next guest to explain. Joining me now is child passenger safety technician expert, Dahlia Rizek. Uh, Dahlia, thanks for being here on the World Famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Jason. All right. So before we get into the whole puffy coat issue, tell us more about your background. How did you become a child passenger safety expert from being a, a mental health clinician? So as a mom, I was just concerned about everything from my baby. Like, am I feeding them the right foods? And am I teaching them the right things? And am I keeping them safely buckled in the car seat? So I would go to child passenger safety techs long before I was one to make sure they're buckled in correctly. And and every time I would switch the car seat from car to car, I'd go double check because they're complicated. They're hard to get them in. And so at one seat check, the tech said, you can't use a puffy coat in the car seat. And I said, but I live in New Hampshire where it's freezing. (laughs) Like, how am I supposed to do that? And they're like, oh, you just take it off. I'm like, just take it off. Okay. And I went home and I tried to take it off and she didn't care about the rules. She'd flip out in the parking lot. And one day I thought, you know, if the coat was redesigned, this wouldn't be an issue. 
I tried convincing big coat companies that they need to redesign the coat and none of them wanted to. They thought it wasn't a problem. And so one day I decided to do it myself for me and for all other parents out there. And we'll talk about the Buckle Me Baby coat coming up in just a little bit. And I think it's a video, maybe it was your promotional video, um, where you actually have these moms struggling with their kids to get their coat on or get their coat off. And and I usually just took my kid's coat off anyway when putting them in the car because they're sitting in there in the car and then it's they get hot and then they get antsy and then that's never good as you're trying to drive somewhere. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was my video, you know, just showing what moms do on a regular basis, what dads do on a regular basis. Some parents keep the coats on, some take it off. Uh, it is a struggle though. Kids don't make things easy. And obviously you said you're, you're a mom, I'm, I'm a dad, and, and I would put those big puffy coats on the kid before we go somewhere, right? But sometimes it, I, I would leave it on them when I put them in the car seat, but I, I I, I, if I did take it off, I would just put it over them if, if they wanted to stay warm, something like that. But it didn't seem like it was that big of an issue uh, when when I was doing this. And it wasn't even that long ago, maybe five, six years ago that I was doing it. I, I guess I didn't really hear a lot. And why don't we hear a lot about this coat issue with car safety seats? So if you think back to 1975, when parents were first putting a child in the car seat, the car seat looks like something out of the dinosaur age. Like it's this big hunk of metal. You look at it now by today's standards, you're like, that's just not safe. And at the time, child passenger safety death was really high. The number of children killed or injured in a car accident right now is much lower than it was um, about 50, 60 years ago because of the increasing safety in car seats. So we're becoming more aware of how can we prevent things that are preventable? You know, you had said, how can the coat be dangerous for the child? And I'd love to explain to you exactly why the puffy coat danger is a danger. You know, parents often think that the child is going to go flying out of the car seat because of the puffy coat. And that can happen. It has happened, but it's pretty rare. The real danger is that the puffiness of the coat compresses underneath the harness with the force of the crash, and that compression creates all the slack under the harness, which throws the child further forward instead of moving with the harness to keep them in, and that extra movement forward creates critical brain, neck, and spine injuries, and it really is the difference between walking away from a crash or a trip to the hospital that you could have prevented taking. You know, that really surprises me because at least for me in in my head is that when I strap the kid down in the car seat with even with the puffy coat that it feels tight it feels like they're in there even more strong you know even even tighter than they would be without the coat so let me pull this as hard as I can do you see how hard that's pulled yeah and it passes the pinch test so you can't pinch any fabric this looks like this is a properly strapped in child look you can't even move her forward Now, you could do this with a Buckle Me Baby coat because it's designed to do this. But if you had a regular coat on, and this is what it looked like, all of this stuff is going to compress. And look at how much slack it's going to leave underneath the harness when you pull this out of the way. Look at all that space. You could fit a whole hand under there where it looked like it was nice and tight before. So now your child is going to travel through all this space before stopping And that's what creates that critical brain, neck, and spine injuries. This harness should be tightly on the chest and shoulders like this when they're traveling so that they are staying in their car seat in a crash. And can't you, not everybody can afford, let's say, getting a new coat every single year, especially a specialized coat that that you provide. Can can I just do that with the coats that I get from, let's say, uh, I, I get coats passed down um, from one kid to the next to the next? Couldn't I just unzip it and open it up and then let them put them in the in the harness that way? 
It's a really great question. So in a regular coat, that fabric is going to go somewhere. See right now, because of the way the coat's designed, I'll show you in a second, but the harness is right on the chest and shoulders. When you open a regular coat, all that shoulder fabric is going to bunch up behind them in the back. Um, and it's still going to create space, even if the front panel is physically open. But you're right, coats are expensive, and especially something from a small potato, nobody manufacturer like me, because my costs are high, I'm not Walmart. So what I did with the coats is I actually added extra length to the sleeves. I don't know if you noticed, your kids grow longer in the legs and arms than they do in the rest of their body. So usually the clothes still fits them, but the sleeves are like this and you're like, time to get you a new shirt, time to get you a new jacket. So I made these coats with extendable sleeves so parents can get longer wear. A lot of my parents get two years and some parents even get three years out of the coats. And I think that helps with the cost. I also have a trade-up program where parents can um, get 15 to $20 back on their new coat when they trade in their old coat and traded up coats are donated to local New England kids and needs to kind of help with that cost a little bit because you're right, it is costly, but parents who can't get a buckle me baby coat, it doesn't mean your child is going to ride unsafely. You could take coats off like you have with your children. You could use a light fleece jacket, or you could use blankets or something else like that too. But regular coats do not, do not belong in the car seat. Is, is there really, is there any way to crank it down enough or, or to, to make it safer, or is it just going to be too uncomfortable for the child uh, or, or, or will they feel almost strangled if it, if it's that tight where they won't move? I mean, I, I, I imagine you could probably could, I, I'm a pretty big, strong guy, crank it down to the point where they couldn't move even in a, in a puffy coat. It's not about whether or not they can move in the puffy coat. It's about the force of the crash. So when you have a coat, you can compress this material to some degree with your hands. But if you were to take the force of the crash, that crash is going to compress the material way more than you can ever pull on it, no matter what you do on your own. And so when you think of critical brain, neck and spine injuries, the way the harness works, the harness is supposed to be directly on the chest and shoulders. And the harness has two jobs. The first job is to stop your child from moving further forward, but the harness is actually designed to stretch. And the reason it stretches is because it slows down the rate at which your child's body is stopping when you stop abruptly in a crash. When the harness is not directly on the chest and shoulders, when you have to move through two inches of coat fabric first, instead of traveling with the harness, slowing your body down slowly, instead you're traveling through all that fluff, slamming into the harness, pulling on the head, neck, and spine, and that's what creates the neck and spine injuries. It's really a big danger and it's not worth it. You know what I mean? It's something that's totally preventable and you don't wanna be after a crash thinking, I wish I had not put the coat on. And you were just talking about you can't you can't ever predict a crash and you can't predict what kind of a crash you might be in. But but how violent of a collision must happen to have a kid slip out of their car seat, like you mentioned earlier, or be forced far enough forward to really cause those head or neck injuries? So the head, neck and spine injuries happen at six millimeters of extra forward movement. So a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of space. The severity of the crash, you know, you can have someone who I have a friend who her car was completely totaled to look at the car, you'd think that person has to be dead. And she walked away. And I have had other friends who were in minor fender benders, and they had neck injuries or spine injuries. It's unpredictable. That's the nature of a crash. But what we can do as parents is always put our child in the car seat in the best possible way, which makes it more likely that they're going to walk away and Kid, parents who do use the car seat correctly will find that the parent is injured and the child is fine because the car seat does what it's supposed to do. 
so we've been talking about your uh, buckle me baby jacket as well as other jackets, and, and we've really been just focusing on these three-point harnesses, the ones that go over the shoulder, come around the waist, and buckle right there in the center. But what about the kids that are a little bit older that might just be using a booster seat uh, and then use the seat belt that comes across in the booster seat? Uh, is Do you have the same kind of issues with the puffy jacket in that scenario? So every car seat reduces the level of safety from the one before it. So rear-facing car seat is the absolute safest for a child, which is why children should stay rear-facing as long as possible. Parents are always in a big hurry to make them forward-facing because it's more convenient. You could see them, you could play with them. But when you have a rear-facing car seat, the shock of the force of the crash is absorbed by the back of the car seat. When you're forward-facing, the absorption is these five points, right? So you want to keep them rear-facing as long as possible. A five-point harness is safer than a booster seat. When you have a booster seat, what happens lots of times if the child is not the right height or not the right weight is they slip out from under it. So is the puffy coat dangerous just as dangerous in a booster seat as it is in a five-point harness? they still shouldn't be wearing a coat in the car seat, especially where it's a less safe seat than the five-point harness to begin with. So is it almost a recommendation then to never wear a coat? Even, let's say, my girls are 14 and 11, and they're not in a booster seat. They're, they're pretty big size. They're at 90 pounds, 110 pounds. So they're they're like small adults, if you will. Should even that, they, at their sizes and ages, not wear a coat with a seatbelt in the car? So they're not at the same risk of danger as a toddler or a young child because around six, seven, eight years of age is when your bones fully harden. The danger with the puffy coat really depends on the fact that the children's bones are still made largely of cartilage, which is stretchy, but the spinal cord inside the spine is not designed to stretch. So exactly what age does a person's bone fully harden? varies from person to person, which is why the guideline is as long as you're in a car seat, just don't wear a puffy coat and it makes it easier. At your children's ages, 11, 12, 13, 16, their bones are probably fully hardened. So they're not in as big of a risk, but it's always better to not wear a coat on anyway. You know what I mean? (laughs) Even for adults then too, even if we're just adults wearing, yeah. Your seatbelt is going to work better if you're in a crash, if you don't have a coat on. You're not in the same risk level as a child because your your bones are hardened. But you still do better if you don't have the coat on. That's really interesting, and and, and I, I because a puff, puffy coats are a big thing now, and and thin coats too. I, I you know the old uh, in well, at least for me uh, the nineteen eighties when they everybody was wearing their members only jacket, and it was it was pretty thin, right? Uh, it, it's not the same as a puffy coat that you have today. So maybe the same type of material isn't the same from from coat to coat. Right, right, exactly. You had a members-only coat? I did not have a members-only coat. I always <laughs> like those big, fat, thick parkas, but I do take my sure. coat off in the car because I get too hot lots of times, but also because I know the dangers. And I know that, you know, if your seatbelt is doing its job correctly in a crash, you should have significant bruising right here. And people who are in crashes without the coat on usually won't have that bruising, but they'll have other injuries instead. It reminds me of the movie Fargo with the guy who gets, you know, the, he gets <laughs> a huge parka with the hood and the whole thing and the fur, and he's just in there in his car. And he's that's <laughs> me in the winter. I'm always cold, so I have the biggest, fattest coat you could ever find. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. With all the information that's out there, and and really, it, car seats are getting easier and easier to use every single year. It seems hard to believe parents 
still aren't using them the right way. I mean, the, not not just the puffy coat issue here, but strapping them into the car and, and getting them secured. And because they all, I think, have those little latches that you can put in the seats. I mean, it really is easier a lot a lot easier now than it was even five or ten years ago. One hundred percent. But I think a big part of the problem with parents is that a lot of them really believe that if I buy the right car seat, you know what I mean? They obsess about buying the safest car seat when they have their first baby. And they believe if I have the safest car seat, then my baby is safe. But honestly, every car seat is only as safe as how well you use it. So educating yourself, reading your car seat manual, reading your car's owner manual, make sure you're using your car seat correctly in your car every single time that is the safest for your baby. And then another kind of step that parents sometimes miss is that when you have more than one child, you're really worried about that first child. But by the time you get to the second child, you know, your harness straps look something like this. It's down here. You're like, whatever the kids in the car seat. And you think, I haven't been in a crash before. My child wasn't injured before. We're totally fine. And that's where mistakes start to happen because you can be at a crash in any moment. And you always want to be prepared for that, not from an anxious, I'm constantly anxious standpoint, but more, it can always happen. And so I have to take the steps to make sure my child is strapped in properly every single time, even if it's my fifth kid. Yeah, yeah, even the third and fourth, and like you said, fifth kid, they always get the short end of the stick. They Because you might have... <laughs> and and you have kids of different ages in the car using different types of restraints. So you might have one toddler there, but then you also might have a seven-year-old in your car that, and everybody has their coat on. Everybody has different kinds of restraints while they're in the car at the same time. Oh, absolutely. And your level of care, not that you don't care about your youngest, but you don't, you're not as worried about it, right? Yeah. I know my first one, I don't think I gave her candy till she was four or five. <laughs> and my youngest, I think he was maybe like less than a year old. I'm like, here's a lollipop. Please stop yeah. crying. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's always the way it is. I mean, I grew up in an era where we had the uh, big station wagon. All right. And, and none of us were wearing the seatbelt and we we're riding in the back in that long part where in the trunk area, right. That, uh, that it had a table and nobody is wearing a seatbelt and we're just screwing around in the back and making noise and my parents in the front and they're trying to swing at us to get us to shut up. And so it was, it was just a nightmare of danger. <laughs> I think we had the same car and there was one, there was one, one version of that car where the seat was actually looking at the people behind you. So you're in traffic, just looking at them like a schmuck, like, Hey, <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, so how are those, uh, buckle me baby ch- uh, coats doing? How are, uh, how's your business going so far? It's going really well. You know, I started it out of my kitchen about five years ago, thinking it's going to be this fun side hobby that I do, you know, when my kids are at their dad's and the videos went viral on Facebook. It got a lot of attention really fast. We were a FedEx small business grant winner. We won a nationwide insurance pitch to win. We were on Shark Tank two years ago. I sell out of a warehouse now worldwide. We have retailers all over the world and it's pretty amazing. I But my favorite is when parents contact me to say, hey, I was just in a crash and the car is totaled, but my child is safe. And and that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And and it's really just as easy as when you have your coat is you're just like you showed peeling it back uh, where you can then tighten up the tighten up the whole uh, harness. And then you could even put the coat back over to keep the kid warm if if you're worried about that. If you're worried about that, I tried to make it as easy as possible for parents. But can I show you what makes the coat different? Yeah, sure. So it has these secure me strips here that are a shoulder panel opening. And that's really where the difference is. You know how you were asking, why why can't you do this with a regular coat? Yeah. This splits along the shoulder seams in a way that a regular coat doesn't. I have two models, one that opens from the side like I showed you here, 
and ones that open in the middle more like a traditional coat. And when it opens, the shoulder seams come out of the way too, so that the harness could sit right on the chest and shoulders. And you can't really see it on video, but the back is also thinner than the front. And that's what makes it possible to put your child in the car seat. This child, this, well, she's a doll. This doll is in the car seat <laughs> at the same harness setting as if she had no coat on. So if I were to take her out, take this coat off, put her back in, she would still be strapped into the same exact tightness as if she had no coat on, which is what my goal was as a mother. Did you ever look at maybe instead of uh, making it a coat thing, in integrating it with the seat where they can just sit in the seat, slide their arms in, and so uh, it, it'll keep them warm, basically like a little, like a Snuggie uh, for the car seat? <laughs> I mean, that would be cool, but you want them to have a coat to wear outside of the car seat. Ah, you see, there you go. But you can take that off and then you have to bring the coat separately. Yeah, you're right. So it's it's just a big hassle. You're right. <laughs> all right. Well, Dahlia, I appreciate all your expertise. Are there any other tips that uh, people should know about uh, their car seats and, and uh, how to stay safe this winter? I think that, you know, we talked about really preparing for a crash, getting every time you get in the car seat, make sure you have used your owner's manual, your car seat manual, your child is incorrectly every single time. You never know when a crash is going to happen. And it is the difference between a trip to the hospital and a walk home. And, and that's what you want. You want to be able to walk home and know your child is safe. Dahlia Rizik, uh, child passenger safety expert, technician, buckle me baby uh, <laughs> inventor and, and creator. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here. I appreciate all your time and your expertise. Thanks, Jason. It was so nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you as well. I put the link to Dahlia's buckle me baby coats in the description of this show. I, I think the coat is neat. But the practical side of me can't spend that kind of money on something when I can, well, just take the coat off the kid. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, am I going to take off my puffy coat when I get in the car? No, but, but I can see the benefit to do it for a baby or a toddler. I, I can see the reason why, and I can see why some parents do or, or don't take the kid's coat off in their car seat. It, it, it's obviously a hassle if you're a parent, you struggle with the kids to get the coat on and then just to take it off again and then to put it on again. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those that says the kid isn't going to get too cold without their coat for a minute or two. That's the way I am. I mean, I can go outside for a little bit and it, I'm not going to, it's, look, it, it, I was somewhere where I was saying, hey, there's somebody in shorts here and it's snowing. Yeah, but they're going from a warm car to the warm store and then right back. They're only out for a few, for, for maybe a minute. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, some parents, you know them, they get freaked out going out without a coat. My mother-in-law is actually one of those people. The kid, she can't understand how anyone can go out without a coat because if she is cold, everybody is cold. <laughs> That's the way it works. Uh, you know, the likelihood of getting into a crash is obviously low, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't give you or, or your child every opportunity to survive that crash. So there you go. I, I, I'm just here to give you the information and you can do with it with what you wish. Okay. Anyway, thanks again for being here. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can send it to me on any of the uh, description uh, in, in the uh, description of the show is all the contact links right there. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring. <laughs>